Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So, today is pretty exciting for me. Uh, I'm uh, of the fact that this is awesome. You know, they heard the chatter in December. Who's they? The deep state. They knew that the public would know. Could you imagine, right, what the public needed to find out? So before I get into it, I want to say I tweeted out my subscribers on Subscribestar know exactly what's going on here. And guess what? I looked to see if the episodes that I had to re-record on my birthday, since it was one of the lamest birthdays ever, um, <laughs> wasn't lame recording. It was like I just wasn't doing anything. Um, I just noticed that it's not up. So after uh, today's show, I will make sure that it's up because I'm pretty sure I edited the audio. I mean, I just noticed it. I went to my Subscribestar page. You can find me on Subscribestar at Tori Says. Uh, so it's, I think it's like Subscribestar.com backslash Tori dash says because they don't have spaces. But I went on there to be like, yo, see, this is it and highlight it. And I'm like, where is it? So, Yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe I dreamt that I did it because I was so overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. That's it. That's a very good word. Overwhelmed. That is what describes Nancy Pelosi yesterday. Aside, you know, from her losing her mind. And where's that staff again on her chest? It's totally on. <laughs> totally gone. Uh, overwhelming. So let's take this. And without you know, to not have a disservice to my subscribers, so I won't get into too much detail. Um, but what if, let's just say, what if every year that you get a flu vaccine was unnecessary? What if, you know, I don't know, someone was to publish, I don't know who that would be, uh, you know, an article that shows you the portfolios, the pharmaceutical stock portfolios of people in Congress and the Senate. And what if you also knew that doctors, hospitals, and clinics get tons of money for giving you the flu vaccine? So what if you found out that you didn't need a flu vaccine, but the flu vaccine 
was being used for something else. Would you be pissed? Yeah, you would. Would you trust them again? Mm. Mm. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, they knew, we knew, and they decided to, I mean, you know, you had to think, is it decided or did they had to pick? What do we do? They know that we know, so the public will know. So do they release it themselves to try to cover it up? I mean, what is it? And you know what? The president put out one tweet today that validates everything we talk. Well, everything I said on my subscribe star. But I'm just going to tell you. Remember that? How I told you that Abe is that dude in the club, right? <laughs> this is how Abe, the prime minister of Japan is. He's that guy in the club, you know, with the unbuttoned shirt, hanging out in the back in like the, you know, half circular couch, right? With his arms out, totally digging, you know, digging the environment, bobs his head. He totally likes to indulge, let's just say in that sinful type, uh, you know, environment, but he doesn't mess with it. He's like, yo, I'm a spectator and I'm not judging because I kind of like what I see. And he can mesh with everyone, but when it comes down to it, he's always going to pick the side of good because God always wins, right? The side of good. And the Chinese here, let's, I, I have to say it, the Chinese aren't really wrong. Oh, China's blaming the U.S. Stop. Why are they blaming the U.S.? I mean, we already said that we brought it to them, didn't we? And now we're like, oh, look at China trying to blame us. Wait a minute. Uh, wasn't it the Harvard professor that took that stuff over to Wuhan? Are we, um, <laughs> are we like losing the plot right now? Are we just backtracking everything? You know, Wuhan virus, Wuhan virus, Wuhan virus. And then suddenly it's like racist. And it's like, but you all said it. But it's racist to say that it originates from Wuhan. That was insane, right? Hmm. Best president ever, ever. You know, I had a conversation with um, relatives this morning because obviously uh, no school for at least three weeks uh, unless otherwise, you know, <laughs> indefinite. Uh, and one of my... Um, conversations went like this the president is so incompetent like he's not distributing testing kits from the cdc so incompetent and i'm like dude i used to remember i interned at that specific division of the cdc which i got fired from that creates and analyzes flu vaccines right and they didn't like my report which was if we use piggy cells people will get the piggy flu so why are we putting the H1N1 vaccine in piggy cells that just makes them more prone to get pig if their DNA picks it up and they transcribe themselves and have pig DNA to all the Muslims out there that got the H1N1 vaccine. Yo, that's super haram. I'm just saying. So anyway, <laughs> that's hilarious. I never even thought of that to say it. You know, they'd be real pissed. Not only did they take in some pork, but it's part of their DNA now too. Um, and I'd be pissed if I was, if I was a Muslim, I would be really pissed right now. But anyway, I digress. Having worked for for that division, I know exactly how things work. And the fact that the president, instead of saying, oh, CDC, yeah, we'll just distribute your kids. He's like, nah, man, 
We're going to give them all the information we got and let them fix their kids. You know, it's kind of back down. It's for two reasons. One, don't centralize and own all the information, CDC. We should share. Transparency is imperative when I'm going to show people, look behind the curtain. Ah, look. I have to have transparency. That's number one. Number two, diversity, man. How many times have we said we need a lot of people that wear different shoes, thinks different things, wear different clothes and have different ideologies from insane <laughs> communist ideologies to nirvana ideologies to prudent, you know, religious Sharia law, all of these people in one room trying to solve a problem. This is how you get results. And, uh, <laughs> Totally ironically, like, you know, I told you guys two days ago and I told you again yesterday, the Cleveland Clinic created a test where you can find if you have COVID-19 within eight hours, the Cleveland Clinic. Oh, yeah. Which is in Ohio. Oh, yeah. Which already knows that 100,000 people have been infected. <laughs> well, how, how do they know that? 100,000 people didn't go and test themselves. Yeah nothing can stop what's coming. Nothing. Disclosure doesn't only mean ETs, right? Nothing can stop what's coming. And my subscribers know exactly what we're talking about. They're in the know. Yet, you know what? I have to stop saying that because I didn't upload it. But I will have it uploaded within two hours of finishing this radio show. It will blow your mind. So let's just say the president knows because we know and they know we know. And it's like, it's all going to come down from here. I mean, McLean, Virginia, what's up? That is all I have to say on that one. So uh, one thing that um, one needs to understand is this idea of how the virus spreads or how it is, is um, not off. You know, you hear a lot of people talking about the HIV connection and that's because the way you can terminate viruses is the way we have been effectively treating HIV. And I have an article and thank God, you know, I work with Haley Kennington. Don't forget she has Kennington press as well. She has her own website too. So she puts a bunch of her articles there. And I, and, and of course she's going to be putting mine too. Uh, she writes for me. I write for her um, because it's all about the news and thank God she's like an awesome grammar Nazi and looks at my articles. Cause I suck at that. Uh, you know, I'm so, I'm so busy. I dictate everything, but I want you guys to again just take us take to take a little bit of a back seat right now, and just listen to the governor of Ohio what the, what Ohio had to say about this virus. I want you guys to pay attention closely because this is very important. Like I said, Cleveland Clinic created this uh, test, but they're already estimating they have over a hundred thousand people infected with coronavirus okay now take a listen to their announcement yesterday well it was today it was yesterday but just just listen to it because they shut down all schools which is awesome in in a way because it gives us time with children and people work themselves and you know if you're like me that doesn't like to be around a lot of people you know it's a good thing i mean on the streets 
there's always hustlers, you know, drug dealers and homeless people. <laughs> I could tell you that was vastly reduced. It's like the homeless people suddenly found a place to go. Take a listen. Oh, no, you can't take a listen because I haven't made it so that you can listen. Okay, here we go. The spread says that at least 1%, at the very least 1% of our population is carrying this virus in Ohio today. We have 11.7 million people, so the math is over 100,000. So that just gives you a sense of how this virus spreads and is spreading quickly. Ohio's top health official there saying that there are likely more than 100,000 undiagnosed cases of the coronavirus in the state. The governor ordering all schools closed for a three-week period starting end of the day on Monday. He is also ordering a ban on mass gatherings of more than 100 people as officials work to curb the spread of this virus. Joining us now is Ohio's Governor Mike DeWine. Governor, good morning to you. Thank you for being here. Good morning. So what Thank are you, you doing uh, actively to stop the spread of this virus in your state? You know, I've relied on experts. We have a panel of 14 doctors, uh, as well as certainly Dr. Acton, who you just heard. Uh, we also reached out to other experts yesterday, and it was clear that we had to take this action in regard to our schools. As Dr. Acton indicated, you know, we project we have about 100,000 people at least who already are walking around with the coronavirus. And what, what the experts tell us is that this number will multiply, will double every six days. So if you just think about that, you can extrapolate that out. Uh, you know, we're into some tough times in Ohio, and it's very, very important for us to do everything we can to slow this down. And so closing the schools is a, is a you know, a dramatic and drastic action. We know there are other consequences. But uh, it's important for us to do this. And the whole goal is to try to spread this out. Um, we know a lot of people in Ohio are going to be infected, but what we don't want to do is overrun our, our health care system. We've got a great health care system in the United States and in Ohio, uh, but they also have a pretty good one in, in Italy, too, and we're seeing what problems that they're encountering in Italy. So we don't want that situation, and we've got to slow this thing down. And so that's why we took these uh, dramatic steps. The, the other thing that, you know, we're really emphasizing now to people is there's only so much government can do. Uh, you have a responsibility to not only yourself, but to strangers. The way this thing spreads, um, you know, do everything you can to stay away from people who who are sick. Uh, if you're sick, stay home. Uh, if someone in your family is sick, uh, we tell people, look, treat that as if you're sick. You need to stay home as, as well. And these are drastic actions but we're in very uh, difficult times. What, what access do the residents of your state have to testing kits, Governor? I'm sorry? Testing kits. This has question. been a crux of the problem for the yeah. administration yeah. and we have, the access to testing kits in Ohio. Sure. We have about uh, over 1,000 uh, testing kits today at the Department of Health, but we also have uh, private labs that have this capability. Uh, now our... Uh, some of our major hospitals are coming online, basically, in regard to having testing kits. So um, you're going to see more tests done in the next few days. And, of course, the number of people who are testing positive is going to go up. So th those numbers are going to go up uh, rather dramatically in the, next, in the next few days. To be clear, Governor, that... I mean, you're talking about 100,000 undiagnosed cases walking around in your state today. You're saying that the state expects that those cases to double every six days, but there's only a thousand testing kits that you know of? 
What Dr. Acton tells me, and I, I rely on the experts, I'm certainly not the expert, but uh, you know, we're going to reach a point uh, in this country, not just in Ohio, uh, where it's not going to be too long when they're not going to have the capacity to test every, everybody, and we're just going to have to move move on from there. Because if you get you know a million people, two million people, obviously you're not going to be testing them at that point. So look, would we like more testing kits? Yeah, we would, but we're in the same boat everybody else is. We're not we are not unique, but we do have capacity coming online in regard to our hospitals, and so you're going to see the tests that are being done are going to go up dramatically, and when they go up, you're going to see the number of of people who test positive go up. But the steps that we took, um, you know, were informed by the experts who tell us what they anticipate based on the number of tests that we have done, based on the fact that we now have two uh, community spread individuals who have no, we have no idea where they got it. Um, it's, it's all across Ohio, but it's all across other states as well. And so uh, we took this action yesterday uh, we can't say to get ahead of this because you can't get ahead of it really, but to really slow this down as much as we could so that our, our health, um, our hospitals and our doctors and our whole health system will be able to deal with uh, what's coming up. It's a huge challenge, not just in your state, across the country, Governor. We wish you and the residents of Ohio well through all of this. Thank you for being here. All right. So. What were the key messages here? We're keeping all the kids home. Remember, how is the key transmission of all flus? Children, they're in school. Very good strategy because they pass it on. Um, you know, and it's important that if you do feel sick, just for the others not to be there. Now, let's talk about COVID-19 and what the differences are in the testing kits. And in order to do that, we have to just understand the basics of HIV. And you're going to be like, what? Yeah, this isn't like a, this is every virus is like HIV. So what is HIV, guys? We know that if you're HIV positive, it means that you have an inert um, component in your body that can be triggered at some point to have AIDS. So those that are exhibiting cis symptoms are exhibiting things like you would when you have AIDS, right? When you have full-blown AIDS, full-blown AIDS, not HIV positive, but that you have full-blown AIDS. It's kind of the same, same type of scenario. Um, so what you have to um, think about is everyone may test positive for COVID-19, but not Everyone will exhibit symptoms because it's highly specific depending on the mutation or version that you have, you may have been exposed to. So um, depending on how your body fights it or receives it or allows it and what uh, innate capabilities you have in fighting off viruses. Now, viruses, just so you understand, and you'll see it in the article that I will have up at latest by five o'clock um, Eastern time, uh, you'll see that viruses get into your cell. I've explained this before. Replicate, replicate until they bust that cell open and run out. And what they do is they basically hijack the programming of your cell to replicate themselves within your cell. And that's how it happens. And now when you take things like Tamiflu, for example, what it does is it doesn't allow the cell to explode. 
right? It slows down the ability of the cell to be penetrated or to explode open with all these little viruses that go around to the cells. Now, what's different about COVID-19 is that it is smart, And uh, depending on its transcription activation, meaning I want you guys to, wow, I can't even post it. I don't know if I still have that video up, but I actually did a lecture-ish thing once online to learn myself where I was talking about how you, how DNA is wrapped up and how it's unzipped. So I want you guys to imagine a zipper. Right. And you know that zipper thing, the one that breaks when you're too fat to fit in your jeans. Hey, how many women out there know that? Um, so that zipper part, right? Not the not the teeth that come together, but the zipper part, right? So that you have to picture that zipper and it looks kinda like that too, which is a protein. And what viruses do is they give directions to the nucleus of the cell they infected to create that zipper portion. And then that zipper portion takes an RNA and then unzips into a DNA RNA to replicate it. So it constantly makes it. So it unzips because, you know, everything's condensed. It unzips it. So it's a zipper, right? I want you to imagine it like a zipper. And then it creates the virus specific to that kind of zipper. Now, there's reports that are saying that in China, their specific version, version, and I say it again, version, is one that targets... um, Sertoli cells. What are those? Those are in the testicles of males and they produce semen. Okay. They are where, you know, you hang out before you become you in your father's testes. And so you have to think, wait a minute. So the virus targets, no, the virus targets every cell and it's highly specific for angiotensin 2, uh, which helps in uh, breathing, blood, tons of stuff. And in women also, progesterone regulation, it, it plays in feedback cycles. Um, again, you know, the one thing that I master very well is molecular and cellular biology and cell signaling. So do, you know, this is why, you know, when you have like, I don't know, diabetes, they give you blood pressure medication because the type of diabetes that you may have, you need to protect your cell, your, your heart from the feedback cycle that gets screwed up because diabetes. And so a lot of things play and come into play. So some people that, um, are a specific genetic code um, may be targeted in a way where their fertility may come into question or it may cause disruption in the fertility as they um, come in contact with it. So females that suddenly get a period when they're not expecting it, uh, you know, early or, hey, I just had it, yes, you know, like a couple days ago, why is it back? could mean that it's affecting the progesterone cycle feedback. Um, So these are all versions. Again, this is why I've always said, why are we getting vaccines for viruses when they're not the same? Because if I catch the virus from Joe, who, you know, has this specific genetic blah, 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 because remember... Um, for those of you that are my subscribers, we talked about cloning, right? And how the egg donor cell 
DNA can mix with the DNA that you put in it. Well, this is the same concept. You know, you have very specific DNA that's completely different to mine, obviously, because we're two completely different people in certain areas. So if a virus comes to your cell to replicate, your nucleus is producing of that cell is producing a zipper and or DNA incorporation, RNA uh, in interpretation, completely different than mine. So this is why I'm always like, why are we inoculating against viruses when they're not the same? Because I might get, you know, COVID-19 that's like, you know, for people that have specific hindrances in uh, regards to their lungs. And for me, it's not going to affect me because I don't have it. So it's going to come in and cause disruption somewhere else until I give it to somebody else and they might get a more benign strain. You can't really inoculate. The only thing you can do in this case, is have a medication that disallows viruses to replicate in your cells, not just hold them tight like Tamiflu. Um, And for those that may have gotten a vaccine with the flu in it, you know, they're, they're pretty much screwed because your body's busy making antibodies for one version and you got another. So by the time it goes there and it's like, hey, I know, you know, like in a video game, I know the weak point is, you know, the left foot and your guys are coming with the left foot and banging it and it's not doing anything. Then they have to go and learn that it's the right hand they have to hit. So they have to go back into your gut, retrain themselves, work with your spleen if you still have one, and then go and attack again. That's how viruses work. Uh, well, that's how your T cells work. In And this is just like totally, you know, basic, like not... 100% accurate. I'm giving a cover, you know, like a blanket statement. So how do we move forward and what are we going to see? I think at the beginning of the week, I said, it would be great if we shut down the Senate and the House. That way they can go to court and say, we need to pass these things like right now. Well, go to the court. I mean, I mean, you missed the date. And according to the president, he's going to be making an announcement on, fr- on, on Friday, uh, 3 p.m. We'll talk about that right after the break. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So um, here we are. Uh, The president is actually going to make an announcement on coronavirus, capital C, capital V, at 3 p.m., which is after my show, which is awesome. Maybe I'll have my article up before that, hopefully. But one thing that we need to know is that we need to know the facts without fear. And I think these facts without fear are going to create um, a lot of anger when people realize what's really going on. So uh, to sum that up, I'm just saying, uh, in regards to while you're distracted with the coronavirus, which is a real thing, and, you know, uh, hey, the city was dead yesterday, and my kid kind of came up with a cold sore. So I was like, "Yeah, you're not going to school." Uh, you know, wh- you know, everyone's like, "Go test yourself." Yeah, um, we'll see how it goes because you know we don't want to override the hospital and stuff with just 
willfully going <laughs> to quarantine ourselves. So if you're not feeling well, don't go out there. You'll be susceptible to it. Um, and I hope that we address, and I know some people who are listening, uh, you know, I hope that what we address is the hijacking up of prices. I wanted to get some deliveries done. Uh, and now instead of, you know, having like, oh, $20 minimum for like delivery, you know, from like the supermarket or whatever, uh, they've jacked that up to 50 or 100. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that uh, shouldn't be happening. I think, in fact, they should lower it and just, um, you know, uh, get it going. But on the other hand, even the delivery people will come in contact with people that will come in contact with people you can't avoid people 100 million percent but you can do your best um and in that's in any flu season not now there's no need to panic i mean for me it's kind of easy to stay away from people because i have a low tolerance for (laughs) for rubbish so anyway i wanted to play um Hannity from yesterday. He talked a lot about uh, what we did um, in Iran and, uh, you know, with the Iranian forces in Iraq. It's so weird that they're there. And then, uh, you know, the interesting thing that I noticed is I'm kind of super loving Mackenzie, um, general um, of space, like the leader of all Space Force. I completely adore him and I feel so safe that he is in charge of one of the most important uh, military branches we have. Um, You know, uh, it is, you know, it is that time, you guys. Um, And, uh, you know, if anything, this is uh, one of the biggest, um, I would say, weathers that we're going to be seeing uh, on us. Um, And... Going forward, I'm going to talk about what's on my subscribe star, but not in total detail uh, after uh, Hannity's uh, segment on something that I was very vocal about in 2018, which was um, Timothy Cunningham. And I purposely spelled it Cunningham on one of my tweets. That way um, I don't get censored by Twitter. And uh, this is important because Timothy Cunningham, Cunningham, not Cunningham, but you know, I tweeted it out twice and now they're flagging duplicate or repetitive speech uh, that's not on a tag, you know, like a hashtag. Um, So he uh, was the one that um, put out a whistleblower report. And he was part of a specific division in the CDC that I know very well. Um, And this is just adding to the issue that we have within our intelligence community. And we'll get to that after we listen to Sean Hannity's segment. Uh, He put it very well together. And um, I have to say, I'm also, you know, he talked about the H1N1 pandemic, uh, how many people had it, what the response was. It's like Megan Kelly's like, I don't know where to go. And it's like, did you bother about that one? Um, You know, about Biden. I tweeted out a picture. He was collecting books from a stack that said it was like a self-help book for people that have dementia. That was hilarious. You know, and it's like people. People are like, oh, you know, people are making memes about Biden. They're like manufacturing or altering video. We don't need to alter anything. No filter needed. This guy is a walking meme. Uh, he needs no help whatsoever uh, uh, to advertise.
advertise his true self. Anyway, let's get into Hannity's segment, which within 10 minutes, he breaks down the key points. I, I think he's back on track because lately watching him, he's kind of been falling into pockets without streamlining it in short. Because I know he only has an hour and he's got to use all these B-rolls. So it's kind of difficult to kind of stay in step. But um, there's going to be, it, just listen to this. Targeted airstrikes against Iranian-backed militias. This in a direct response to the rocket attack that killed two American troops at a base in Iraq. Much more on this coming up tonight. But first, at this hour, the impact of coronavirus is being felt all across the United States. We have cancellations and school closures, tournaments canceled, and professional athletic events canceled. Now, for some, it might seem like this is the world coming to an end. Now, we'll start with facts, not fear. Make no mistake, the coronavirus, every virus, as we have been telling you, you must take it seriously. It has been and it is being taken seriously. As a nation, we must take every and all necessary precautions. But we also, we need to be calm. We need to be strategic. We need to be smart. We need to have the right perspective. Any death is a tragedy. I would like cures for cancer. I've said this before many times, heart disease, every disease. We lose in this country tens of thousands of Americans every single year from the flu. I hope we find a cure for that. The common cold, that'd be great. This is a health challenge. We need to rise to the occasion as we always do. We are the United States of America. You know, the words, the land of the free and the home of the brave, they are not just words in an anthem. Those are words that accurately define us as a people. This is the country that beat back the forces of Nazism and communism and fascism and imperial Japan. This is the country that has the single best doctors and scientists and medical researchers on the face of the earth. This is the country that has accumulated more power and advanced the human condition more than any other economic system anywhere in the world or the history of man. So tonight, like every night on this program, we will bring you facts without fear, without the politics of panic running rampant in the country. We're going to give you perspective and context and data and information, information that you can use to protect yourself, your family, your loved ones, most of you, which sadly you will not get from the deranged, agenda-driven media mob. Let's start. Just 24 hours ago, President Trump he was delivering a very serious address to the nation from the Oval Office. During that speech, he outlined new measures, including restrictions now on European travel on top of the bans already in place. He also offered financial relief for those impacted, industry and workers as well. The president also called for unity, said, quote, we are all in this together. We must put politics aside, stop the partisanship, unify together as one nation, one family. Well, needless to say, didn't take needless to say, it didn't take long. The rage, the hate, the conspiracy theorists on the left—they are not heeding that advice, sadly. And from them, everything—and I mean everything—is seen through a 2020 election prism. Now, since the very beginning, all they have done is use this virus, politicize this virus, to bludgeon President Trump. All the same people that have done the same thing for three straight years. It is sad. It is not surprising. They have been doing this. Russia, Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine, impeach, impeach, Corona, now Corona. They didn't unify even around the destruction of the ISIS caliphate. How great is that? Or killing of uh, al-Baghdadi and associates or killing Soleimani or the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. Now the verdict is in. And immediately they refuse to even rally around an important fight against what is a deadly virus and disease. Maxine Waters calling the president a liar who needs to shut 
his mouth about coronavirus. Yes, the compromised, the corrupt Adam Schiff calling the administration incompetent, quote, incompetence kills. Over there at Fake News CNN, you have Fake News Jimmy Acosta. Well, he's most worried about the president's terminology, thinking the president's speech was racist because he said the virus started in China. Here's his own words. At one point during this address, uh, the president referred to the coronavirus as a, quote, foreign virus. Uh, that, that, I think, was interesting because, as I was talking to sources earlier this evening, one of the points that the president wanted to make tonight, wanted to get across to Americans, is that this virus did not start here, uh, but that they're dealing with it. And I think it's going to smack, uh, it's going to come across to a lot of Americans as smacking of uh, xenophobia, uh, right. to use that kind of term in this speech, Chris. As it turns out, fake news Acosta has also referred to Corona's foreign roots on his own Twitter himself in January. Yep, fake news Acosta called it Wuhan coronavirus. So I guess by his own de definition, fake news Acosta is a xenophobe. As you can see, the very same people that were involved in everything for the last three years, every conspiracy theory, scam 24-7, every second minute hour of every day, they are back. And guess what? They're not about to let a crisis go to waste. Irrational hatred towards the president is now putting Americans in danger. This is the message we need to understand tonight. The president is trying to protect the country. Instead of working together to help the American people, you have the mob and, of course, the radical Democratic Socialist Party. They are working hand in hand to just smear the president. They have not said one good thing about what he has done. Not one. He didn't do anything right. This goes against everything our founders put into place. Watch this. The president last night, he kind of whiffed at his chance to convince Americans that he has a plan for dealing with the spread of the virus here domestically. And he just set the stage for Joe Biden to kind of walk on in and look presidential. You know what it is? You've got Tom, Tom Hanks has the virus and we have Forrest Gump in the White House. He misspoke about Europe. He misspoke about the, the, the intensity of this ban. And that's on him. The errors he has made for several weeks now are on him. This country is behind for several weeks. It's on him. China, we know it's not your bad, but could you please send Brian Kilmeade an edible arrangement so he'll shut the up? <laughs> Tying coronavirus to China and Chinese people isn't just a racist dog whistle. It's a whole racist orchestra. All right, here's a question. What, what are these hate Trump hacks? What would they like the president to do? Because I challenge anyone in the media mob, fake news, CNN, the New York Times, which selectively edits and lies every day or in the Democratic Party. What are your ideas? Bring them forward to the American people. Put them on the table and we'll work together and solve this pandemic. The truth is no president has done this much or acted this quickly than Donald Trump. No president in history. Here are the facts over fear. On December 30th, an unknown disease was first observed in Wuhan, China. That's the truth. January 7th, they said at the time it would add pneumonia-like symptoms, but they didn't identify it as coronavirus till January 7th. Important date. By January 31st, the Trump administration declared a public health emergency. Americans abroad were then subject to mandatory quarantines on military bases. Hadn't been done in decades. February 2nd, the president ordered a temporary travel ban for all non-U.S. citizens who recently visited China at the very same time. Now, what were the Democrats doing? What were people in the mob and the media doing? What were they doing to help combat the virus? You might ask. Well, the answer is nothing. Most of them were completely, totally infatuated with one issue, impeaching Donald Trump, like usual. 
Meanwhile, other members of the Democratic Party and Congress actually suggesting the president's travel ban was racist. Now, the WHO chief, well, he said that restrictions weren't needed to stop the outbreak and that they would only increase fear and stigma. The government of China agreed, accusing Trump of overreacting to the virus. And, of course, Democratic uh, Party's frontrunner quid pro quo Joe on January 31st, when the president put his travel ban in effect, he said it was xenophobic and hysterical. Take a look. In moments like this, this is where the credibility of the president is most needed as he explains what we should and should not do. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia to uh, and fear mongering to lead the way instead of science. Hysteria. OK, on this program, Dr. Fauci said that the president's travel ban against China likely prevented an untold amount of exposure and suffering in place. Now, by the way, neither Biden nor his comrade Bernie Sanders supported the ban. Neither one of them would have enacted it. This one courageous early act that Donald Trump took a lot of heat for did more to protect the spread of this disease. That one decision, January 31st, three weeks in, while they were impeaching the president, not saying doing a thing on Corona, that one decision did more than any other thing that could have been done. And all the president got was called names. In fact, let's look at some perspective here. Back in 2009, we have a Biden-Obama record on a global pandemic. This is H1N1. And the, well, I'll use Joe's words, the O'Biden-Bama ticket, as he calls it. Well, they never enacted a travel ban. That year, the CDC estimated, get this, in the year that we had the first year of that virus, 60.8 million Americans were infected with H1N1, no travel ban. In other words, one in five Americans got that disease in the first year. That resulted in over 274,000 Americans hospitalized, nearly 13,000 deaths in that year alone. Worldwide, up to 575,000 people died in 2009 and 10, that first year, April to April, from H1N1, better known as a swine flu. No travel ban, no state of emergency. It wasn't declared until, what, October? They knew about it in April. One health administrator did say it was an emergency 11 days in, but not the president, not Obama. He did that in October of that year after a 1,000 Americans had died and tens of thousands of Americans had contracted that disease. Funny. You know, I worked on that vaccine. I worked on the 2009 flu vaccine. I've told you guys that before. And, um, you know, uh, (laughs) it's funny how they didn't call it an emergency. I mean, if you're collecting data, you're not going to call it an emergency. You're going to be like, just shut up. Survival of the fittest. Mind your business. That virus. And naturally, despite thousands of deaths, millions of cases, the media mobs coverage at the time. Wow. Very different. It was measured. It was calm. The mob supported their president. They loved their president. Take a look. 
Well, let's talk about uh, this. this is something that is concerning a whole lot of people these days. We're talking about the H1N1 and now the president, President Barack Obama, declaring the swine flu outbreak a national emergency. Should there be a worst case scenario, but administration officials are emphasizing here, Frederica, it's not that they are expecting one. More than a thousand people in the U.S. have died from the H1N1 virus, 90 in the last week. The federal government had predicted there would be 100 million doses of vaccine by now, but as of this weekend, about 11 million were available. When we hear emergency, alarm bells start to go off. What exactly does this declaration mean? Well, the first thing to say is people shouldn't panic when they hear this. Health officials battling the H1N1 flu virus this weekend have received two booster shots of their own. President Obama has declared the virus a national emergency. That was six months in, a thousand Americans were dead. Tens of thousands contracted that disease. Compare that to the nine alarm anti-Trump hysteria on right now, all day, every day, at pretty much every news network. Look, I understand. Pandemic's scary. Nobody likes pandemics. No one wants anybody to get sick. People are scared. I have no problem with cancellations, no problem taking every precaution necessary. I understand the criticism, the testing kits took too long to come out. Fair criticism, that's been rectified. Now they're becoming readily available. The case numbers will surely rise, definitely in the short term. We believe it will level off. We hope so. If everyone does their part, hopefully we will be able to get to the other side of all of this. Make no mistake, all viruses are dangerous, serious stuff. Make sure to keep an eye out for your older loved ones, your grandparents, your parents, those that perhaps have underlying uh, uh medical conditions, immune compromise of some kind, COPD, lung disease. But in this country, we don't, we're not a country that lives in fear. We are the country that tackles problems head on. The facts are the facts. Three weeks in, this president acted. He acted faster and quicker and did more to stop the spread of that disease than any other time in American history. Travel bans, billions in support, financial support, all hands on deck from the get-go from the administration. What were the Democrats doing? They were impeaching. Ultimately, there's no doubt we will overcome this disease, this virus. America will come roaring back. That's a fact. At some point, China, they're going to be forced to answer for the spread of this deadly disease and the lies that they told. Okay, so let's just um, like recap what he said quickly. So what he was telling you is, you know, the Chinese are at fault. That's number one. We'll address that. The other thing that he said is they didn't do much for it because that's the way, uh, you know, they could do it. You know, they can do what they've been doing for years. Now, in regards to the testing kits, we have private labs. Why does the CDC only have to provide them? answer that question. Are you saying that all other medical professionals and private laboratories and hospitals are incapable of doing so? So that's number one. Number two, people are complaining that he won't allow states to use Medicaid to waive fees. No, he's not. He's going to say, hospital XYZ, how many did you treat? Here's the money. Hospital XYZ, doctor XYZ, you know, clinic X, Y, Z. No, you're not going to get this money to disappear from your state coffers claiming Medicaid. That's the thing. We have to control the money.
control the money and keep transparency and the data up on the surface. We don't want it being buried under national security. Oh, that's classified. Or this isn't for public information because that's how things perpetuate. Now, the president indeed did everything he needed to do. He shut it down. He's like, nope, I'm not going to let them get sick. I'm going to have less people dead than anybody. Because even though the flu kills almost 100,000 people a year in our nation, right? <laughs> on average, uh, we've got less than 100 dead. Yet we have these experts telling us that it has a mortality rate of 3.4. And I thought, wait a minute. So the state of Ohio, with pure confidence, is saying that 100,000 people at least are infected with COVID-19. 1% of that is 1,000, right? So if 1% of them die, I can't. I just can't, you guys. The rubbish is like so beyond anything I've ever seen. 1% of 100,000, guys. 1,000. Do we have 1,000 dead? No. We don't even have, you know, 100 dead. So how is the mortality rate 34 they're just making stuff up. Maybe they're using it on the basis of other nations with wide open borders, with people that are more prone to this virus or from a city that has direct flights to Wuhan. But you know what you have to think about is huh, the timing. We talked about that yesterday and the day before yesterday. Isn't it funny? Impeachment failed and suddenly like, whoa, President Trump is totally incompetent. We don't have the structure for this. Oh, guess what? He fired the national security guys at the CDC. No, he did not. They all mysteriously left. <laughs> Birds in cages sing like nobody's business, right? Because they think that if they sing really well, the cage door will open. Remember who died? Yeah. Timothy Cunningham, not Cunningham. I did that on purpose so it doesn't get flagged. Again, we were ready because we knew it was coming and we already knew. And the president is telling them he knows with his tweet. Okay, during a pandemic, you're going to call the prime minister and be like, yo, nice. You completed this thing for the Olympics. Oh, what's up? High five. Meanwhile, everyone's dying. I roll, please. You're not getting it yet. You're going to get it because it's all going to be transparent. They cannot stop what's coming at all they've tried everything and where's barack hussein obama what country is he at right now where's he at where's he at and everyone believes that you know <laughs> dom hanks and them just the positive and they're in australia i wonder what they're doing there i wonder where all of them are where's comey again comey tweeting out that everyone will serve as a public servant hmm who are you beating the drums for, James? Hmm? Because Owen's already entered. Oh, by the way, where is Owen? Hmm? We're going to hear from him very soon, I'm pretty sure. After the president's announcement. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch and listen and applaud, I guess. So on that note... I'll see you guys right after this short break where we'll break down more of this um, craziness and see what's really coming.
Real news. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in the first hour, we covered this coronavirus crazy. Um, You know, we heard Hannity break down a lot of things uh, that are going on. But we're missing a lot of the um, issues uh, that are coming up to the surface. Uh, You know, I told you guys earlier this week that on Friday he's going to declare a national emergency and it seems like it's super on point to get it done. The more they try to throw mud, the taller he stands. This mud monster of of a president is Teflon Don. They can't do anything to cause him harm. It's constantly backfiring. And the reason... Because he's good. This insane attack against the president calling him, you know, uh, you know, unable to actually conduct himself, calling Biden, who has no idea where he is most of the time, presidential is driving me insane. So I wanted to... Um, to kind of uh, take a little step back and look at other things that have happened and are happening that um, no one is paying attention to. And these are really, really important things that we should be looking into and aware are going on around us. So aside from taking out terrorists that all seem to happen to appear in Iraq... You know, we've got Space Force that's looking to get funded. Space Force is very important for people that have the ability to travel great distances. And distance can be figurative. It can be meters, kilometers, hours, days, you know. So they're very important that they come out to the public and that they have uh, what they need uh, because of the work that they do and the work that they do you're going to hear it right now because you know i really do wish there were a lot of senators just like senator kramer of uh, north dakota i really like kevin he's a really good guy and he was talking about the mq9 reaper okay some dinosaur equipment that we have with the air force that um you know we've got some really great engineers and mechanics within our armed forces that have jacked that perfectly but what i want you to pay attention to is terms And we'll break those down as you hear them with me. Take a listen to this questioning. Chairman, Chairman, thank you, uh, General, for your service and for being here. And I, too, express my condolences to you and and to the families for the loss of your, our two soldiers, and, of course, our friend from the United Kingdom. Um, General, this year, of course, the Air Force is asking us in their budget proposal to divest in critical ISR assets in, 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 a, in a way to allow for more room to invest in new technologies and, and future ISR assets. Um, and I'm very aware, aware of the critical role that these ISR assets, some of these, these um, legacy assets have played in, Cent, in CENTCOM, including some from my home state of North Dakota. And I'm just 
I'd, I'd like your take on, uh, first of all, what the Department of Defense and or the Air Force have told you uh, to expect with regards to meeting your ISR uh, obligations or requirements if this uh, FY21 budget is enacted. Thank you, sir. I actually possess most of the ISR assets the department has, and uh, I, I'm, I'm cognizant of that. At the same time, uh, as I, we were talking just a few minutes ago, as the former director of the Joint Staff and the J-5, I'm very much aware of the need to prepare in turn to face the threat from China and the threat from Russia. Those are existential threats, and we need to, we need to capitalize, we need to invest, we need to move in that direction. For me, it actually comes down to a platform, and that platform is the MQ-9. That is the platform of choice in the CENTCOM AOR. It uh, is a platform that can gather intelligence, it can strike, it can do all kinds of things. It's a jack of all trades. Uh, and I would prefer that the Air Force not divest of that resource right now uh, to the degree that they're doing. I acknowledge that we, the Air Force has some tough decisions to make as they take a look at you know, the, future, the future of the, of the China threat. And the MQ-9 is not necessarily a platform that's useful in a dense air defense environment. Recognize that. But, uh, but for right now, and for the threats that to me are much closer, actually, than the longer-term threats to China that are, that are deeper and graver, um, I, I favor retaining those assets as long as possible. I, pre I appreciate your answer, and I agree. I, the MQ-9 is really quite a remarkable um, asset, and w we're just trying to assess the risk um, and, and whether the, the risk is worth it and how we transition. Because I also agree that we need to get to another place. And with that in mind, I want to transition then uh, in the discussion to the, to the Space Force. And of course, we understand that many of the new technologies we're talking about would be space assets. Um, and I'm just wondering how, uh, first of all, are you expecting to get some is some benefit in CENTCOM from space ISR assets? I, I would expect the answer would be yes, but, but the, then the question becomes the gap between here and there and the risk in the middle of it, um, are, we, are we preparing to adequately mitigate that risk? Uh, Senator, I use space assets every day, every hour in U.S. Central Command, uh, and they provide unique capabilities. The total ISR picture is best built when it's complemented by air-breathing platforms as well. But I am a, uh, for all of my life, and particularly in U.S. Central Command, we can't survive without space assets. I think you've answered my questions, including a couple that I haven't asked yet. So I appreciate that and appreciate uh, the time and happy to yield back some time. Ha. So what did you hear? First of all, you heard terminology like air, uh, air dense and non-air dense. Um, I want to kind of get to one point and just replay it right here, what he says. Obligations or the requirements general. if this uh, FY20. Listen to the general. When budget is enacted. Thank you, sir. I actually possess most of the ISR assets the department has. And... Uh, I, I'm cognizant of that. At the same time, uh, as I, we were talking just a few minutes ago, as the former director of the Joint Staff and the J-5, I'm very much aware of the need to prepare in turn to face the threat from China and the threat from Russia. Those are existential threats, and we need to, we need to capitalize, we need to invest, we need to move in that direction. For me, it actually comes down to a platform, and that platform is the MQ-9. That is the platform of choice in the CENTCOM AOR. It uh, is a platform that can gather intelligence, it can strike, it can do all kinds of things. It's a jack of all trades. Uh, and I would prefer that the Air Force not divest of that resource right now uh, to the degree that they're doing. I acknowledge that we, 
the Air Force has some tough decisions to make as they take a look at you know the future the future of the of the China threat. And the MQ-9 is not necessarily a platform that's useful in a dense air defense environment. All right. So he's saying, listen, um, the Air Force, Space Force, Air Force, Space Force, is saying that they want to decommission MQ-9, even though we've had some great engineers beef it up. What is going on here? You have to ask yourselves. Now, I love this Marine. He's hardcore. But he's also all for National Guards. He's also all for everything else. And he's walking a tight line now to say, all right, I can release those chains and we can move forward. But um, I kind of believe that these private systems that we have in place are good for us, even though they go against what our nation stands for. And I'm kind of fighting it because there's a budget that's being requested. Now, the Space Force wants to replace everything. And he says it can do everything. It's a jack of all trades. That's right, because we've got everything on it. We can do everything with it. And, uh, you know, he's pretty effective when he's dealing with things of this. um, Ah, wait, things that are mainstream known. How's that? And when he refers to the China and Russia threat, he's referring to the START agreement. And they're not a threat. There's an agreement that needs to be discussed now, which is being discussed now. And, you know, that'll give them rise to a new Russia, Russia. But, you know, they got crazy with this coronavirus that, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. Never allow someone to take advantage of uh, you with a plan that you already knew they were going to do. See, they already knew we knew, which means the public's going to know. And so General McKenzie is old school. He's, you know, rigid and square and likes to keep things in order. And this is the way we have progressed. But Space Force is taking it another route. And like he said, he commands all the ISRs. Do you know what ISRs are? Let me, let me, let me tell you guys. So ISRs are in intelligence, surveillance, uh, target acquisition and reconnaissance. Um, And that's an area that was usually, I mean, uh, only recently made known to be hmm, commandeered (laughs) by the NRO. Uh, But what you need to remember is that even though CENTCOM has uh, most of the ISRs available, most, keyword, most, um, you know, the thing that he wants to do is hold on to the MQ-9 because, you know, we've said it before. If it works, it's not broke, keep it. And that's the concern that General McKenzie has because not a lot of people know what other portions of intelligence agencies like the NRO have been up to for decades and then some and how they operate and where they operate and who they operate with. So it's um it's a pretty interesting um, topic that was brought up uh, and how uh, it was brought up. Uh, but it all ties in with the insane um, push that we're seeing uh, from uh, the 
Democrats. And I love the fact that Senator Kramer took less than his time allocated to put it all on the table and indicate the displeasure of the more um, concrete, um, organized um, intelligence uh, community professionals with uh, Space Force's uh, direction. Because what they want is to just replace and put new stuff everywhere. And new stuff means revealing what we have and old school people don't want that. Now, in regards to reveal what we have, I want us to go into uh, 5.3 billion in Ukrainian foreign aid missing. Uh, you know, the stuff that we've been talking about for a while. And uh, the best way to do it is by uh, showcasing the incredible Rudy Giuliani, who, remember, is the man when it comes to Rico Rico Suave. So I think it's important we take a listen to what he has to say. It's our purpose to bring to bear the principle of common sense and rational discussion to the issues of our day. America was created at a time of great turmoil, tremendous disagreements, anger, hatred. There was a book written in 1776 that guided much of the discipline of thinking that brought to us the discovery of our freedoms, of our God-given freedoms. was Thomas Paine's Common Sense, written in 1776, one of the first American bestsellers, in which Thomas Paine explained by rational principles the reason why these small colonies felt the necessity to separate from the gigantic Kingdom of England and the King of England. He explained their inherent desire for liberty, freedom, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and he explained it in ways that were understandable to the people, to all the people, not just to the educated upper class. Because the desire for freedom is classless. The desire for freedom adheres in the human mind and in the human soul. Today we face another time of turmoil, of anger, and very, very serious partisan division. This is exactly the time we should consult our history. Look at what we've done best in the past and see if we can't use some of that to help us now. We understand that they created the greatest country in the history of the world, the greatest democracy, a country that has taken more people out of poverty than any other country on earth. They weren't perfect men and women, neither were we. But a great deal of the reason for America's constant ability to self-improve is because we're able to reason, we're able to talk, we're able to analyze, we are able to apply God-given common sense. So let's do it. Hello. And before we get into that, I felt it necessary that we play that clip. Because on this show, we've been talking about how important it is to look into our past so that we can understand our present and our future. And Thomas Paine, an enlightened writer that moved ahead to communicate. It was in 1776 that the people were inspired to take control of their and, and themselves as singular entities in a larger collective. And it was 
that motivating factor that started what one would call the initiation of a form of awakening, um, individual awakening, but at the same time, the fact that his writings were so important it indicated to those that are in power, they, and as Paris Jackson had said, they don't care about you. Who is they? And I think it's time that that conversation comes to the forefront. But what you have to remember is that with every failure they've had and with, ever, uh, with every moment that we've taken to communicate with each other, They've weaponized against us the good that was created from the book that was published was taken and weaponized ah communications this is how we control thought then a book now on your screen there's always a duplicity to everything you create something incredible you can create something just as equally incredible to take it down and this is what we saw you created it but now it's being used against you. And the thing is, we see that the mediums that they have provided us for communication, they are insanely controlling, foaming at the mouth trying to control. We've seen CNN, NBC, all of those idiots foam at the mouth trying to control the rhetoric, trying to control you and what you feel. And they're failing miserably because back channels like chats, like emails, like radio shows, like viral videos and memes and chan boards. That's the thing they can't control because we there you don't have to be a blue check mark or someone that's like, I work for CNN. No, you don't. You're just someone just like Thomas Paine that reaches out to people and speaks their language. And as long as your language is actually universal and receptive, you are heard. So moving along, and I'm glad that he's put out these podcasts because we need a lot of mediums talking about it. I mean, I've done written medium. I've done radio medium talking about the billions of dollars in Ukrainian foreign aid and um, how it's just gone. And I was glad to see that George Papadopoulos was like, maybe we should talk about Cyprus. Remember in that one article that I said, the one oligarch that kicked this all off, that came to testify in 2016, in 2015, his family has 10-year visas in the United States. And that Ukrainian guy holds two passports. The other one is first, well, three. We're not going to mention one of them. But two of them we will. It's Ukrainian and Cypriot. So we can start talking about Cyprus. Cyprus and how they were whipped into submission by allowing Erdogan to take a portion. Huh. It's all coming into focus. It feels like when you're at the eye doctor, which by the way, I went to the other day, my eyes are worse. <laughs> um, so I'm upset. Now it makes sense as to why, you know, <laughs> I thought it was my glasses, right? It was like my glasses. I put that stupid anti-glare stuff I can never get them clean enough because of that stupid thing but it wasn't it was hey those glasses are for uh, this prescription and and now that's doubled so <laughs> so take a listen to just the opening of this we're only going to play a couple minutes um, and discuss this 
I'm back with Rudy Giuliani Common Sense, and today we have uh, the honor of having with us a member of the RADA, the Parliament of Ukraine, Mr. Andrei Dierkash. You saw Mr. Dierkash interviewed in the last two episodes. Those were interviews done in Kiev, but he's now in New York, and there are some new developments that we'd like him to, uh, to discuss with us uh, that are very, very recent and will have a great impact on, on what's going on. So I want to thank uh, Mr. Durkash for coming, and I want to thank him particularly for his interest in, in what turns out to be the expenditure of a good deal of American money. This is uh, something that's in the interest of both the people of the United States and the people of Ukraine. So, uh, Mr. Durkash, you're, al you're also involved with a radio and television station, correct? Mm, previous. Previous, not now. Not now. Okay, and how long were you, how long were you um, in, that, in that business? About 15 years. So it's, it's fair to say that you... My family, my uh, fam fam family involved in this business. I see. Yeah. And, and for the last 20 years, you've been a member of... Parliament, 20 years. 20 years. And tell us your, what, what you focus on, what your specialty is, what, what you're chairman of. Uh, the majority of time, I used to work in the budget committee of Ukraine. Uh, questions involved with budgeting de de loans, debts, and uh, the transition of money within the budget of Ukraine. And also last time I told you that we were involved in uh, the involvement of the foreign assistance aid to Ukraine. And you were amazed at how much money is being spent and it's not being accounted for. We continued our investigation and today I passed to you the other part of, our, of the documents. And one of those documents, a criminal case, is opened already today. The other documents we have to work with together with both sides. The par part of uh, your concern, I'm sure, and this is a document you, you uh, gave to me oh, back in about three, four months ago when we were in Kiev. Mm -hmm. th there was a, an accounting chamber decision on 19 December 2017 that was quite dramatic. It, it um, found about $5.3 billion mm -hmm. that in various ways wasn't properly accounted for, foreign aid that wasn't accounted for. Um, so is that, something that you're, is that something you're looking at now in, in general, or the foreign aid, and is it, was it spent, was it spent accountably, was it spent corruptly? $3 billion out of that amount is the money from, of the U.S. taxpayers. So of the 5.3 billion, that's approximately three, three, is yeah, three billion is American. And, and what I tried to explain and to show that in the last 15 years, there was a huge corruption scheme done to diversify the technical assistance to Ukraine. The system is made in such a way that close relatives and people close to the USAID and to the U.S. government uh, receive the, the funds. Previous officials or acting officials. So, so um, that report of the $5.3 billion that was, let's say in general, not accounted for properly, um, that was never really investigated fully. When we discussed it, you, you told me that there was a lot of interference by the American embassy in uh, doing that investigation. Is that investigation being done now? 
Right now we started investigations in some of the cases that I gave to you and transferred to you. The majority of those investigations are done by journalists. And right now one of the investigations is done by the National Police of Ukraine of the ineffective and insufficient of the transferring of funds to people who are sick with AIDS. Okay, so uh, there are many cases to be investigated. But there is one. I passed to you a chart with 20 cases that you have right now, which are needed to be investigated. Right. So you were show you were you were showing me uh, a chart. This chart you sh you showed me uh, yesterday, and we went over it. These are 20. 20 cases. How many? 20. 20 cases which are needed to be investigated because of the some of the illegal activities in them. And in some of the cases there's no reports on the cases. So these are these are cases that are going to be investigated or they are being investigated. Those are the cases let me read this to you. Thus, when analyzing the information, it was established that Dimitro Olegovich Chembre. Yeah, let's just skip through that. Uh, is actively... Oh, gosh darn it. Stop. Don't say that. Why did the computer do this? See, it wants me to run commercials. Let me run commercials and we'll get through this, okay? Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Wow, hasn't time flown? And from what I just found out, two things. One, Eric Holder likes to put out threats on a public platform. So, you know, Secret Service, eyes up, eyes down, eyes sideways. Because, you know, my listeners already knew we were having a national emergency declared today because... I said so. But, you know, time travel doesn't exist, right? And I want to say a super thanks to um, PJs14. Yeah, PJs. P-J-A-Y-S-14, who is awesome and sent me that DM. And I was just like, man, are they upset or what? But I also saw that everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's declaring a national emergency. We already knew that. OK, so let's continue because this has to do with the coronavirus, believe it or not. So let's read off, you know, this portion. Thus, when analyzing the information, it was established that Dmitry Olegovich Embre is actively involved in negotiations on the distribution of grant funds to charitable organizations that deal with HIV and AIDS in Ukraine. Hold on a second. HIV and AIDS in Ukraine. Oh, you mean uh, coronavirus. That resolving the issue of allocating funds to charitable organizations 
organization regularly receives unlawful benefits. It was also found that when purchasing the necessary medical equipment and medicines, the supplier, um, the supplier in order to win the competition, provides unlawful benefits to Dimitri Oligovich and other corresponding persons. You know, bribes. That's what it means. So let's see. Medical supplies, uh, medicines, pharmaceuticals, HIV, AIDS, anti-HIV medications being reverse engineered to create a virus that is resistant to anti-HIV medications that blows up in your face. Now, I understand that, you know, big companies... And I'm going to give you a hint that's in this article. Big companies have invested a lot of money in creating and manipulating viruses to give them outcomes. Remember how I told you that I had, you know, hung out at Craig Venter's lab, you know, the one that took a virulent bacteria that causes you a UTI. Do you remember that? Because every single little story of my life, I tell you, is important because then you get to understand what I'm really trying to tell you. So in that laboratory, I explained to you, he took uh, the mycoplasm genitalium, which is a bacterium that causes urinary tract infections. He took it to genetically modify that bacteria to spew fuel, Mobile, um, uh, ExxonMobil, all of them have paid him an insane amount of money. So that way he can create bacteria that just make fuel. So would it be odd that, I don't know, someone wants to modify a virus, you know, for a specific genetic code that when injected in a person, I don't know, through a vaccine or something, I'm just saying, um, might uh, disable them from having any more kids? I mean, we know China um, does a lot of experimenting. We know that every single lab on the planet does a lot of experimenting. I mean, Barack Hussein Obama backed the brain experiment where they're literally putting rods in people's brains to figure out if square waves can activate certain places in the amygdala to cause fear and aggression on cue or you know where they're implanting microchips through your sphenoidal cavity you know and you usually get a black eye like that that can control your emotions or your abilities um <laughs> Sounds out of sci-fi. I mean, that stuff's like on .gov sites. It's not BS. But, you know, they'll tell you it's BS because Jake Tapper and Brian Stetler aren't talking about it, it's got to smell, right? Even though it's funded by your tax dollars. But I digress. Even though Greenberg, who punched that kid in the face, you know, on campus for, you know, promoting MAGA, that suddenly his case was sealed because it turns out he was one of those experimental lab rats for the brain project that gets triggered when they hear anything pro-America, right? But I digress, right? So just think, it's not just China. It's not just Ukraine. It's everywhere, everywhere. And so, you know... I want us to understand that it all started a long, long time ago. The way you were inspired in the past 
as a nation to be created is the way they were inspired to find a way to take it down. That's how they operate. That's how they move. This is how they work. For every good thing you do, they will take it and weaponize it. I mean, you could ask Bill Binney about that. He created an algorithm to protect his nation, and instead, they've taken that and flipped it on its head and weaponized it against you by recording you, by recording me, by putting us all in a box. Now, the article that's going to be up uh, today uh, probably right after President Trump's announcement. I'm hoping to get it up before it. I, I really am trying to hope to get it up before it. Has a lot of thanks, Obamacare, because you'll realize just what an atrocious piece of, I don't care what your idiot blanket coming, but people have health care. Yeah, yeah. At what expense, though? Because ask yourself, how does a Cleveland clinic know that 100,000 are infected? How, how do they know? So two days ago, they invented a way that they could check to see if you have COVID-19 within eight hours. And that next morning, they assessed that 100,000 people at least that go through the Cleveland Clinic have or tested positive in what? How do they know? Oh, you mean they store your DNA and your blood work and your, oh, thanks, Obamacare. You'll understand that later. So- uh, it was breaking, and well, it's breaking for the rest of the world, those that aren't in the Tory Says world, that Trump is to declare a national emergency amid coronavirus. Take a listen. Fox News just made this breaking news when it's really not. I first want to go outside the White House to Chief White House Correspondent John Roberts. 3 p.m., the world will be watching. Yeah, and Harris, there's just so many moving parts to this story today, and so much has happened in just the past half hour. The president has said that he will have a press conference at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Fox News has been told that the president is likely to declare a national state of emergency or a national emergency under what's known as the Stafford Act of 1988. What this does is it unlocks FEMA disaster funds in the same way it would if there was a massive hurricane or a big earthquake or some other uh, natural disaster here in the United States. So that, that will uh, put in to force uh, the full weight of the funding of the federal government for disaster relief to do all kinds of things that the president uh, may designate as a result of this. Now, in another story that seems to change back and forth, uh, literally minute to minute, uh, we were told just recently uh, on America's newsroom by Eduardo Bolsonaro, who is the son of the Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, that his father has tested negative for coronavirus. That was about an hour after Eduardo Bolsonaro had told Fox News, his, his father, the president, had tested positive for coronavirus. So what the real status of that is, we don't know. But we do know that the president was in proximity to Bolsonaro for a number of hours on Saturday night, last Saturday night at Mar-a-Lago. So does that now have implications as to whether or not President Trump should get tested? And we found out in the last half hour that Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, who was in close contact with Bolsonaro and his team over last weekend, has now himself tested positive for coronavirus. On the subject of testing, that remains a real problem 
problem here. More currently existing tests are going out. Some 4 million are supposed to be out there in the communities uh, by the uh, end of the week, uh, maybe the end of the weekend. Also, Health and Human Services is giving more than a million dollars to two companies that are developing rapid diagnostic tests for coronavirus. The two tests may be able to detect whether a person has the virus within an hour. White House and Democrats still working to hammer out a financial package to help expand testing, uh, also expand medical, paid medical leave and unemployment insurance. But the White House is still pushing for a payroll tax cut, getting rid of that 12.4 percent employee and employer pay tax for Social Security until the end of the year. Here's what the uh, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin said about it earlier today. The president's very interested in the payroll tax cut because it's a giant stimulus. Uh, we're working with Congress on that. If Congress wants to do the stimulus in a different format, we'll consider that. But the president wants to put money in the economy for hardworking Americans who are impacted by this. Now, as to where we are overall in this crisis, Mnuchin said this morning we're in the second inning, that a lot more is going to be needed, including possible financial help of some sort for the airlines of the United States, which are being impacted so heavily by this. And really, Harris, that's only the beginning when you look at the overall trickle-down effect of what's happening in the economy from the coronavirus. And that's all just in the last hour. Uh, I know. You know, I feel wow. like we should come back to you every five seconds because Probably. you've had so much to bring us. You know what? Thank you for the great work, as you always, bet. my friend. Franklin University makes it man hijack on the commercials right okay so I wanted to say we talked about it <laughs> um my gosh you can't even turn them off sometimes okay so let's get back to what we talked about the national emergency that he's going to declare okay because it's really important that we understand what was just announced and you know where it's really important huh. i talked about this over a year ago so howley blunt rick scott and ms hassan now you'll be like, what is Rick Scott doing? Well, it's drawing attention to the people you want. You insert yourself somewhere to amplify attention, kind of like, you know, Meadows did, kind of like Gates did. You insert yourself with the corrupt to bring attention to yourself. See, that's what you do sometimes. So I want to draw your attention to the first session that the 116th Congress had. So the Senate... May 16th, 2019, there was an amendment pushed for Section 327 of the Robert T. Stafford Disaster Relief and Emergency Act. And that was to clarify that the National Urban Search and Rescue Response System Task Forces may include federal employees. What does that mean? It means that federal employees, right, in the case of a federal employee detailed to a task for the sponsoring agency enters into an agreement with the relevant employing federal agency. Oh, dear. What does that mean? Federal employee. Does that mean it used to mean let's, let's just make this clear it used to mean. If you're a desk jockey, so let's pretend, let's totally pretend, not saying I am, but let's pretend I was a federal employee that had a cubicle, right? Then that would mean that I could qualify under the, the act to kind of work. 
Now, let's pretend I was a federal employee, but I was a, well, I am kind of, I guess, a contractor. That means contractors are included, too. That means non-military, non-cubicle-owning contractors are included, too. Because if a federal agency has a contract, I don't know, with your Toys R Us manager or, you know, a linguist sitting somewhere, uh, they could, you know, contribute into this, you know, emergency, national emergency. I just wanted to point that out because it's really incredible how things just slip through the cracks and nobody pays attention. Instead, they're talking about pandemics and how President Trump is bad and don't look here. And they try to sneak things through without you seeing. But you know, the purge happened, the majority of it, that is. And those that haven't been purged have been neutralized, neutralized, neutered, whatever you want to call it. So this is where you see what's to come. It's pretty simple, guys. You can see we have done everything. We have mitigated everything. That is the way it is. We've mitigated it all and we have it all into account. The question that everybody, that everybody has on their mind is, wait a minute, what's happening? You're going to wake up and find out what has been hiding plain sight, plain sight, plain sight, you know, because we have to misspell things. We have to say things in certain ways, you know, but remember, We already knew and they knew we knew and they controlled it and they contained it. But now it's gone. Those floodgates are open and it's going down. And like I said, it's coming in like a uh, like a lion. And I guess we're all going to be roasting lamb with the Greeks uh, in the second week of April. Right. For their Easter. (laughs) It is glorious because the national emergency, which I told you was going to happen at the beginning of the week, is going to mitigate a lot of rubbish that they try to put in because they were like, we got this. We got this. Let's just push, push, push. Call him crazy. Freak out, Don Lemon. Show him how biased it is. Guys, I had family members say, if you don't feel well, and you know they're all worried about me, hey, you know, you're kind of a smoker, so you're compromised, which is true, right? Which is true. And because of, uh, you know, health issue that I have, they're like, you're super compromised. And it's like, okay, you're going to have to go and make sure you get tested. And I was like, so they're going to test me for something they can't fix. Uh, Not because they can't, but because they're not allowed to. Hmm. One. Two, I've had everybody start going nuts about the fact of what? Oh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. He's not letting us use Medicaid. Like, how dare he? Because they want to use that money, state money, right? Said he's like, no, you're going to be reimbursed with federal. Oh, here we go. National emergency. This is how you get money from us when you're assisting your citizens. So Ohio, anybody that comes with you with a receipt and says, yo, I treated, I tested 50 people cost me for stuff, for the test, for the doctor, for the nurses and stuff, 100000 Here's my receipt. They'll get $100,000 because that's what it's for. Hmm. But see, as we're going forward with this, nothing seems to appease these little clowns. Nothing. They'll call you racist. We called that out two, three weeks ago on the show. 
Look at them coming around full size. They're pulling any card they can. No one seems to understand just how important this is. No one seems to understand it at all. How much of a pivotal moment it is. And SCOTUS gate is going to kick open wide right now. This is where it gets set off. This is where it's all going to come down to. And, you know, if everybody has COVID-19, where's Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I mean, she gets her seasonal cancer in a couple months. You know, <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun. And they can have Joe Biden out there on video. Um on their deep fakes, but we've already mitigated that too. I think, you know, signal interference can occur when you're doing rubbish. Now, um, a lot of you have been messaging me about, oh, China's blaming Americans. China, they should. But the thing is, you guys both worked on it together. And the weaponization of it or releasing it from your lab was done by those that you pissed off because you were doing stage one. We were supposed to have signed the agreement, if you remember correctly, in the fall of 2019, right? And it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. Then they released the virus. Then they signed it and President Trump said, don't worry, I'll help. I'm going to shut down the borders. I'm going to give you all the help you need. We got this. I'm with you, China. And for all of you out there saying, are you nuts? He just said, oh my God gosh, we're not going to give you medicine or anything. And people are like, see, that's what he would say. Why would he say that? If I was president, she, I wouldn't say that. I would just send you equipment that doesn't work. Instead of giving you medicine, I would send you pills filled with cornstarch. Instead, he gave us exactly what we needed, which is to allow us to sequester and produce and create manufacturing within our own nation. And yet there's really smart commentators that are saying totally different and smirking about it. And it's like, dude, did we just not sign? that that we're doing it here now huh what does that mean oh more jobs what does that mean more money what does that mean national security never going to be an issue when it comes to health because what have i said again and again and again your health is the most important component of your life and you know ever since 20 20 wait when did the global strategies group push that i think it was like 24 so 2004 square waves huh do you know what that's all about well you'll get an introduction about it in my article but that's one of the episodes that i already thought i uploaded along with coronavirus um over the weekend and like i said that will be done by 5 p.m eastern time so for my subscribers you'll know but square waves hence the whole 5g thing square waves hence the whole huawei thing square waves Global Strategies Group, Square Waves. I'm just going <laughs> to, maybe I'll make a song about it. <laughs> it's right there in our face, you guys. All we have to do is uh, take a step back. You know, sometimes when you're in the woods, you know, you could be in a backyard with big trees and think you're in a forest until you step back. And that forest looks like a backyard when you step back. And it's clearer because you can see every single facet. Again, pretend you're on the moon because, you know, maybe you can. I'm just saying. Like, just pretend you're on the moon and it'll all make sense to you. Step back. Take a look. Step back and take a look. That's all you have to do. 
and it makes pure sense to you. Everything goes click, 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 click. And you're just like, whoa, I just had that aha moment. How many of you have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Square waves, COVID-19, Huawei, uh, impeachment, uh, Stafford, uh, pharmaceutical companies in a lot of trouble. Wait a minute. And Ukraine, HIV, AIDS money. Huh. And this virus is mimicking that of HIV. Actually, it was reverse engineered from an- anti-HIV medication. Just so you know. The one that they have been pushing for our infected individuals to take, and not just the infected individuals. You've seen it on TV. Is it Truvada? Oh, no. Is that? No. Oh, gosh. Look at that. See, that's what happens when you travel too much. You're, you're, you see it, and you can't say it. Um, there's a medication that was being advertised. If I relay the medication's commercial in my head, maybe it'll make sense, where people who have partners that are HIV positive, um, yeah, it is Truvada, I said it right, um, can take it because that will help prevent HIV individuals who are at risk of getting HIV um, a, getting HIV through sex. So if you have a loved one that has tested HIV positive, if you're taking Truvada, um, you can reduce the risk of getting HIV because you're taking this medication. So that medication in essence is giving you the genetic information of HIV at what they like to tell you in layman terms, low dose. It just means it's changing your DNA slowly. So the more you take it, your DNA changes. And so they took that medication that has not been found to be super effective, but you know, money and stuff, that medication and reverse engineered it to create a bug that can, what? Be resistant to medication like that. So what is anti-HIV medication? Basically, anti-HIV medication is to disallow your body from transcribing proteins and creating the HIV virus through hijacking your DNA just like the flu. And so this COVID-19 is super sneaky because what it did was it's, tr- it's created a way to be able to evade any medication that blocks its transcription to create the flu more. Uh, article is coming. You'll understand it perfectly. And you know what? It's a little bit tinfoil hat-ish, um, you know, for those that aren't following the news. But, you know, Timothy Cunningham lost his life for this. And like I said back then, and unfortunately my personal Twitter account doesn't exist anymore, I told you that his his life will not go in vain. And all those family members and friends that he communicated with, it's clear that they kept their testimony in secret and that's it. Think. Equifax was hacked. Thank you, Mike, for sending that. Where they have all your information. Now you go and march and volunteer to give your DNA to test for coronavirus. Oh, geez, these square waves. They're going to want to use them real quick. On that note, 
Have a glorious weekend. Enjoy the show. And I will have those uploaded immediately. I'm getting on it right now. God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. See you Monday. Thank you.